Good morning. We're, we're, this is part of our reach out program to the community. <laughs> Some people are still asleep, I guess. Not anymore. Here what um, transpired in Mark's account to, to us in chapter 10. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And so they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling for you. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Well, go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. And then Luke adds that immediately he received his sight and following Jesus, praising God. And then when all the people saw it, they also praised God. What do you want me to do for you? When Jesus asks us, you know, what... What do you want me to do for you? Of all the things in your life, all the things that you're asking for, all the things that you're longing for, all the things you're struggling with, what do you want me, what do you want me to do for you? I've struggled with this and thinking about this, and I thought, well, I'm going to go into some of my commentaries. I have a long uh, list of commentaries. And I went in there and looked in this scripture. And do you know what it says on, about this on this scripture? Nothing. None of them. They go from the significance... You know how commentaries are, right? If, if, if you don't, I'm going to give you a heads up so you can read something else. Um, this is the important... I, I sh- Forgive me. <laughs> commentaries almost always make more work for me. Um, the importance of Jericho. What the significance was of this visit compared with where he had come from and where he was going. It it deals a lot with those kinds of things. Um, Commentaries, for whatever reason, don't like to dwell on miracles. They like to talk about the miracles from the point of view of a person benefited, uh, somebody was made to see, more people followed him. But the miracles themselves, the power behind the miracles, the love that comes from the miracles, the intent of the miracles is usually softened, at least in the commentaries that I have. And this brings to mind... Then, as we think about this question, what would you have me do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Um, What are you praying for now? And are there any things that you're praying for that you wonder to yourself, should I be praying for these things? Are they they frivolous? Are they self-serving? Is it like a little kid asking for chocolate pudding? Um... Am I focusing on myself? Am I seeing the small picture? What's behind my request? Um, There was a stretch there when I was praying, and um, 
the question I kept, I kept hearing this question. I've been thinking about this question for months. And so, as I began to answer the question, I began to think about what I should be saying. Right? Okay, now he's going to ask me what I want. Am I going to show the Lord what kind of man I am, what kind of character I have, by the character of my requests? So am I going to pray for chocolate pudding, or am I going to pray for world peace? Am I going to pray to be healed, or am I going to pray for our whole country to be anointed and to all of a sudden come in under the leadership of Jesus Christ and follow him? Am I going to pray for great big things that deal with all of creation, or am I going to deal with the fact that that, um, I simply have not been able to uh, drive to work one day since I've been working there without thinking something horrible about another driver? Do I want to have love in my heart about everybody that I run into um, and pray for something like that and be changed in this way, or should I be praying for the um, cures of disease and peace among nations and the end of oppression and um, the coming kingdom? What should we be praying for? And how does that compare? When we think about what should we be praying for, how does that compare with what we are praying for? Or, because of that, is there anything that you're stopping yourself from praying for because it doesn't seem right? It doesn't seem important. It doesn't seem selfless. It doesn't seem loving. It doesn't seem um, obedient to what God is asking us for. Now, Jesus, in dealing with this blind gentleman, could have, and, you know, why could he not? He could have rebuked him and said... Why not pray for a family to take you in? Why not pray for world peace? Why not pray for the coming kingdom? You're, you know, blind or not blind, aren't these important things that you could be praying for? Um, And it gives us some of the thoughts in, in, you know, dealing with with prayer of, um, you know, the whole idea of what, you know, what should we be praying for? But Jesus knew what the man wanted. And he knows what you want. Even when you won't pray for it because you're holding back, he still knows you want it. He still knows what it is that's working on your heart. He still knows what it is that is tugging at your heartstrings. He still knows what it is that is tempting you to go on a wrong way or urging you to go a right way that you do not want to go. He knows all of these things. What should the blind man have prayed for other than what he did pray for? And as far as we can tell here, Jesus' response to that was nothing. Wanting to see is a legitimate prayer, a legitimate wish. And it was okay that that was the only wish that this gentleman had. We think about also when, um, when we are told that we are supposed to pray for the desires of our heart. I've been th- I think about this also. Are we praying for the desires of our heart? And one of the things that comes to me is, there's two ways of, to hear getting the desires of your heart. One is, this is my list, this is my wants, give, give these to me, I want to pray for these. The other thing is, he gives you, see if I, can, if I can word this so the emphasis is right. He gives you the actual desires themselves. Am I saying that right? As he comes into you, as he changes you, he actually changes what you want. The things that are important to you, the things that you want to pursue, the things that you want to see God do in your life 
or in all creation. He gives you those desires. Your desires change. You're a changed person. You don't have the same desires that you want to. A lot of those things, they begin to fall away, and they just don't seem as important as they used to. There was an an old praise song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, Look Full on His Wonderful Face. Do you know what comes next? Strange, the things of earth go strangely dim by the light of his glory and grace. Your desires change. Your aim, as we've talked about this a number of times, you are reoriented. You have become the citizen of another kingdom, and you have reoriented, and you're now heading in a different direction, and there are things that used to seem important to you just don't. The blind man, for example, could have been admonished by people You know, being healed of blindness is a big deal, isn't it? I don't know anybody who's been healed of blindness. Um, I mean, you know, without a cornea transplant or something. I don't know anybody who's been healed of blindness. And so couldn't they have said to him, you're aiming too high? You know, this being cured for blindness, this is a big deal. Couldn't you pray for financial help? Couldn't you pray for some people to maybe, you know, care for you better? Um, is there something that will you have a greater chance of having your prayer answered if you just aim lower and aim at something that's a little more accessible to you? <laughs> you want your prayer answered or not? Stick with something where the chances of it being answered are better. Now, we're dealing with a God who has built more galaxies than there are sands on the, all the beaches in the, around the world and think of all the things that he either cannot do or won't do. Um, I grew up thinking that when you read the Bible and you would see these things in here, you'd see these miracles, you'd see these acts of love, I was taught God doesn't do that anymore. That's Bible stuff. They would do that a long time ago, but the, you know, God stopped doing that for some reason. A God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, who has given us the new kingdom, who brought Jesus to earth, sent Jesus to earth in order to announce the coming kingdom, why would he then make it so temporary? Instead of something that continues on today, there is a, um, a theologians, you know, theologians have to have a word for everything. Um, they have to. They can't, so the word is um, a, what's it, a continuationism. Is that right? That's, does that sound right, Julie? Con- continuationism is good. <laughs> continuationism is that the things of the Bible continue today. The opposite of that is cessationism, which means that when the last apostle died, all those things went away with him, and we were now on our own, without God's help, without his miracles, without his power, unable to do the things that he tells us to do in the Bible about binding the things on earth that are bound in heaven loosing the things on earth that are loosed in heaven, taking the keys of the kingdom and exercising these authority. And for a long time, we just decided that this was not something that we were were going to do. And I believe that what the Lord is doing now, I believe this in my heart of heart of hearts, I know that I know that I know that he is wakening people up all over the place in spots, saying, I don't understand why the Bible isn't still true. Everywhere about the miracles, about the healing, about the people exercising authority. I, think, I see this waking up. Now, in the subject of prayer, um, this would ordinarily be Roman numeral two. Anybody, like, anybody sort of outline-oriented? This would be... I'm actually not, um, but <laughs> Roman numeral two. Um, does... Does your attitude, does your mood 
when you go to prayer, does it affect anything? Is it possible to have a bad prayer because you're just crabby that day? Is it possible to have a bad prayer because you don't feel like praying today, but you know you have to and you've already told the Lord, I'll pray every day. And so here it gets to be like 10 o'clock at night, you haven't prayed, you're like, man, all right, all right. Prayer. You know, but now, you know, have you had prayers like that? I've had prayers like that. I had one this week. Um, I've had, yeah, just one. Well, that's because the, the week is only seven days long. <laughs> um, I've had prayers where I sat down in, on my little spot, which I love, and I thought, I have got to have, like, some fish sticks. <laughs> I don't see why God would be upset with me if I went in and prayed while I was heating, you know, preheating. Well, I don't preheat the oven. Everything goes in the microwave. That's why they're all so mushy. (laughs) So I had my fish sticks, and it was a great prayer. Because I I love, you know, people eat, you know, flounder and all. I I like Mrs. Paul's. Um, My requirements for fish are very simple. Um... So I got my fish sticks, and I got a cup of coffee, and we had a great prayer. <laughs> it was not terribly deep. It was not terribly consequential. I didn't really aim very high, but at the same time, it was just me and God hanging out. Um, and even as I'm saying that, the idea of what's your attitude, or am I praying rightly, or you know, I'm thinking, like, is, is this making God mad? Shouldn't I treat God with a little bit more respect, a little bit more devotion? Shouldn't I be treating him more as a holy God? Shouldn't I be more deferential? Um, I guess the idea of grace is still amazing to me, that this grace could apply to somebody being like me. I didn't mean anything by it. I love God. He knows I love God. Um, I just wanted to be with him that time. Um, and I've had prayers, as you've, have you, where it was where the, mo- the earth moved and the floor shook and you were involved in God and you're speaking in tongues and you are just absolutely focused and lifted and carried away and you look at the clock and find out that an hour has gone by. You know, it's funny, I've, the opposite of that, I've prayed where I thought it was prayed all night and I've looked at the clock and found out that two minutes have gone by. <laughs> wow, this is really amazing. And yet, my experience with God has been that he is a loving and understanding God um, I didn't mean any disrespect by it, and I think that counts. Um, when I was in a bad mood, he, he knows what our moods are, and he, he tells us we're not supposed to have, you know, that's not a good idea to have them, that they are not a good thing to base your faith upon. But he also knows that, you know, we, we do have them and say, I'm, I'm not going to let them dictate to me to skip prayer tonight. I'm going to push back past it and go into that. Um... We've had prayers, I've had prayers uh, from, I think it was at 1 Samuel, when, the, when he walked into the uh, king's um, throne room and knew that he was in trouble, and he said a prayer while, you know, right then, a very quick prayer, you know, like, help me, and then went through, just very brief. And it reminded me of the times that I prayed, like during, the, during my work day. Sometimes during work, you know, some, you, get a, there's, you get an email and you're like, oh... I was hoping to go like till Thursday before I heard from this guy. So, but I've but you've got to do something, and you want to say it right, and you say a prayer. And I was as, a, as I was going through this, I was thinking, 
that you're leading prayer uh, you know, during your secular life. And it hit me, a Christian doesn't have a secular life. There's no time when you step out of your faith or step out of your relationship with Jesus and say, I'm going to act now in this sphere, and when I'm finished, I will come back in uh, and then sort of re-up and uh, re-establish myself. You're a Christian all the time. All of your life is Christian life. Everything you deal with is part of your Christian life. Everything you deal with is part of the Holy Spirit desiring to interact with the world through you. Um, Your uh, role in all of this and everything is terribly important. That is, the Lord uses you. The Lord wants everyone. We we know what we've read this. um, The Lord wants that not anyone should perish. The Lord wants that not anyone would be lost. The Lord goes to look for the one sheep when the, um, when the 99 are safe inside the fold. Out there in the world, you've got all these folks, and, and I don't know where they are in their faith, but it could very well be that the only godliness they encounter that day could be me. Um, I go to, um, I work in the schools, and I go to the schools oftentimes, and the principals tell me that there are, at the end of every day, there are some children who come into the office crying because they don't want to go home. And it's especially bad on Fridays because they have to go home for two days before they come in, either because they're mistreated, either because they're not loved, or because they're not going to eat. Um, how much of, of can we represent to them as far as feeding them and loving them and caring for them and making sure then when they are in the school, I mean, there's only so much we can do for them at home, we can pray, we can intervene if we feel led, although you know what, you know, to insert yourself into a position like that, you know, that's, you're not always welcome. But what, so what can we do? We can love them while we have them. That's the most that I can do most of the time in my prayers. Make me loving, make me to understand. Help me to be truly gracious. Help me to be truly giving. Help me to be truly a surrender to them. The idea is that as we have been called and made a part of the kingdom, we represent the kingdom to go out into the world, and the kingdom is going to expand. Remember, one of the things about us in this kingdom is that we are in a constant state of confrontation with the enemy, constantly. Everything we do by our nature is going to be upsetting to Satan, right? As Christians, this is how we live our lives. This is the position that we have been placed into voluntarily and graciously and uh, uh, gladly to be used by God for his purpose to touch these people. The attitude that we bring of surrender and of obedience and of love and grace and forgiveness and a long list of other words that I'll think on my way home in the car after church today is the the way that we need to be called and present for all these folks. We are a part, as I've said so many times, of something big. We need to understand that God um, cares for us and welcomes us and wants us. I've heard not too terribly long ago the idea that this is sort of a sidebar. When we get to heaven, we're going to see people there we didn't expect to see. Any truth to that? In fact, I've heard people say, if, if that person is in heaven, I'm going to have to find another part of the mansion to spend my time in. Because <laughs> even in heaven, I don't want anything to do with this, with this person. And I think what we're going to find, while we have a pretty good idea of who, you know, who is... Um, uh, the Lord favors and who the Lord is, is saving. 
I think what we're probably going to find out is that the Lord is a little more gracious than, than we're expecting him to be. That there will be people there by his love you know, that we probably didn't expect to see. And it'll be, of course, um, it'll be, of course, a glad day because his will is being done. His goodness is, is really is beyond our understanding. We have benefited from his goodness in ways that we know we, we probably shouldn't. And, of course, that means that other people are benefiting from his goodness in a way that we probably you know, almost wish they wouldn't. But in Hebrews 6, it says, we have tasted of an age to come. We have, we have uh, sampled, we have uh, tasted. I don't, I don't think there's a better word than tasted here. And I'm a big one for synonyms, as Denise will tell you. Uh, I love my thesaurus. But tasted is as good as any. It's sampled and um, enjoyed. We, we, we get an idea of what its character is. We get an idea of what its nature is through the tasting of it, of an age to come. The, uh, the idea of where we are, where, now that we have come to the Lord, sometimes just, it, it just escapes us because we're so caught up in the things of the world. Part of our prayer, I would urge you, is to pray, Lord, make me aware of who I am, what you want me to do, um, Lead me in the way that you want me to go and make me responsive. Help me to know who you are. The thing that we want from the Lord as much as anything, the more we know him, the more we want of him. Um, you just want more and more of him. Um, there is no substitute for God. And it's one of the reasons that it says in the Bible, if somebody truly has experienced the Holy Spirit, truly experienced the Holy Spirit, truly given themselves to the Holy Spirit, and they stray the Bible even says there's no hope for them. It's one thing to have a lukewarm relationship with God and not go the rest of the way and sort of stray, because you haven't really, you know, you know what lukewarmness is like. But somebody who's really given over and has really had the Holy Spirit and really been indwelt by and touched by and formed by the Holy Spirit, had an intimate relationship and still leaves, like, how could you do it? Um... We pray for ourselves to make sure that we continue to act in obedience to the one that we love and who loves us so much. Closer, Lord. Closer, Lord. Bring me closer. Tell me more. What is the most that a human being on this, in this life is allowed to know of you? What is the most that a human being in this, in this life is allowed to understand of you? Um, and then once I know it, how can I share it with other, with other people? Our prayers, as we go to the Lord in, in whatever attitude we have, we understand... The Lord is not looking for a way to trip you up. He is not looking to say, you know, I would have answered your prayer if you had just worded it just this little bit differently. You left out this key word. There was a key word, and if you had used it, everything would have gone right for you. The Lord is not looking for a way to pull the rug out from under you. I had, I was, that was my temperament growing up. Um... That was a hard lesson to learn, is that the Lord was not looking for an excuse to say no to my prayers. Instead, it's the, the, one of the great lessons was, he wants to answer your prayer. He wants to work with you with what your attitude is and what your desires are. But he wants to answer your prayers. He is not looking for a reason to shame you. He is not looking for a reason to hurt you. He is looking for a reason to bring you closer to experience his love. And as we go into prayer of... From now on, keep in mind that you're talking to someone who really, really cares what you want, knows what you want, whether it's what we would call important or not. Because we don't know, if it's, even if we would say it's not important, we don't have an, 
how the Lord is going to use it. Once that he addresses that, he could use us to be really big things. Um, we go and we just leave ourselves exposed to the God who can see everything we have anyway, and we trust the Holy Spirit who intercedes for us with groans too deep for words to take it to the Father appropriately. Let's go to the Lord in prayer now. Gracious God, the first thing we want to say is just how much we love you. You're so worthy of our love. You're so worthy of our worship. You're so worthy, Lord, of um, our obedience and our faithfulness. You're so worthy of our trust. Help us, Lord, to truly understand the words that you tell us, to take them into ourselves, plant them there, Lord, and break something great out of them, and use us, Lord, for your glory. But, Lord, then, on a more selfish level, we do understand that being in touch with you, thank you for letting us just feel loved, accepted, and forgiven. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now go forth into, the, into this week of filled with the love of God, the Holy Spirit working within you, empowered to go and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and show forth his love to all you meet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.